Welcome to another edition of the Because Bikers Matter podcast. I'm your host, David Vegas Schumann, and my special guest today is Larry DeBenedictus, a.k.a. The Traveling Larry, who's known for traveling across the country on his motorcycle with a custom-built teardrop trailer. So, Larry, welcome to the program. Nice to see you. Nice to see you, too, David. Thank you. So, first of all, uh, where'd you grow up? I grew up outside of Boston in a town called Billerica, Massachusetts. Um, Just kind of like a blue-collar town in the middle of Massachusetts. Uh, Nothing crazy. And do you live in that area today? Yep. So, I live in the town next door in Tewksbury, Mass. And, um, yeah, that's where I live now. Nice. So... How'd you become interested in motorcycles? Well, it's kind of a funny story. When I was eight years old, my father got me a mini bike and I liked riding it. But when I really thought it was cool is my sister took it for a ride one day and she whiskey throttled the throttle, then pinned it down and like went into like some brush and like fell over. And I was like, wow, that was crazy. And like, I was like, wow, these can be dangerous. And I don't know, ever since then, I was like, wow, I really like it. And I just like the feeling of like power right at, you know, your wrist. So I'd say like probably when I was eight, I got into bikes with a mini bike. So has your sister been back on a motorcycle since that happened? Oh, yeah, she's been on it with me a couple of times. But, you know, I I don't think she didn't really. I don't think it scarred her for life or, uh, you know what I mean? I think she's fine. Good. (laughs) Good. It made me smile, though. <laughs> Did uh, your parents ride? No, no. Actually, my father, it's kind of odd. He, you know, went from mini bikes to dirt bikes. And then when I was 16, I'm like, I want to get a motorcycle. And he was totally against it. And I actually had to buy my first bike with a friend. And we kept it at his, his house and uh, kind of kept it, you know, <laughs> under wraps from my father, even though my friend would show up at my house with it. And I was like, oh, dad, I, I own half that motorcycle. He's like, no, you don't. I'm like, okay, I don't. <laughs> so, but he eventually like gave in when I got in my early twenties and I got uh, my first Harley and he's like, well, I guess this isn't going away. It's so funny when uh, I went to Northern Illinois university in DeKalb, Illinois, and it's about an hour and 40 minutes from the house. So there was some weekend I came home, so I took the motorcycle. My parents didn't know that I had a motorcycle. And okay. So I parked it about three blocks away and walked to the house and just kind of said I had a ride. And I did end up taking it back. But that time they had no idea that I was riding every day. So Right. <laughs> funny how that, that memory. My brother right. loves that story. My mother knows now, you know, she found out, you know, 40 years later or whatever, or 45 years later, but <laughs> something like that. All right. So um, what was that that first motorcycle? Oh, it's kind of funny you asked. So it wasn't anything great. It was it was actually it was a CBL 1000 Howard Kane 1987. But it's funny, earlier this spring, I actually found the same exact model bike and i bought it just to have in my collection as like my first bike same color and everything actually in way better shape too but uh you know nothing special that thing man that thing was way too fast for how it's engineered 
no brakes and so heavy, didn't handle, but in a straight line, that thing flew. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> so what do you ride today? Uh well, my I'd say my daily rider is a 2020 um RGS twelve fifty adventure. Um, but I actually got thirty-eight bikes in my collection. So uh yeah. <laughs> so holy cow, that's a quite yeah. collection. Yeah, it's mostly antique, uh, vintage Japanese, some British stuff, um, another old antique BMW. But I mean, the funny thing is, ask me how many run. You know what I mean? They're all projects. I have a friend who's got a large garage, and uh, he has about 19 bikes in that garage. Yeah. And two or three, his 56 Panhead definitely runs. That's awesome. That's his pride and joy. Yeah, he keeps it in the house in the winter because of the snow and the cold. Uh, Yeah, in his living room on a board. Uh, (laughs) I love that. Yeah, that's dedication, you know. But uh, he's got a couple others that he loves to trot out every once in a while. Yep, I hear you. So, so where'd the idea come up for a a cross country trip? So it's actually funny when I first got that hurricane bike when I was sixteen. I always just had this idea. I'm like, I think it'd be so cool one day to just say, screw it and like put work or life aside and just get on a motorcycle and just drive and like not have a plan and just wake up every day. And like, you know, it sounds kind of corny, but just kind of like be free for a while. Right. Mm -hmm. And, um, and I was 27 when I went on this trip and it was like, life was crazy. I built up a, a nice vintage motorcycle parts business all online, but it was, it, I could see the decline coming with the markets changing and everything and uh, policies on eBay. It was all on eBay. And then I broke up with a girl at the time. So I was single. So I wanted to try some new business and I was like, you know what? There's no better time than now to do this. I'm not getting any younger. So I decided that I'm going to, you know, hit the road on a motorcycle across the country without a plan. So, how did how did you decide which direction to go? Uh, I just knew. So I left in early October of 2014, and I just was like, you know what? I'm gonna head south for now and west. And I just started going south and uh, heading west, and that was pretty much the only direction I I wanted to go. But you did make it back. <laughs> uh yeah, I did make it back. There's definitely um. Like a catch to the day I got back that at the end of the story that I'll probably save for later that um, is pretty interesting. Okay. So did you do anything special to prepare for this adventure? Oh, yeah. Yeah. So like getting ready for the adventure, I knew I want to take a motorcycle because everything, you know, the way you see the country or things on a motorcycle is totally different in a car. And um but I was like, where am I going to sleep? Like, that was like the biggest thing, right? And then one of my buddies said, you should look into these like little teardrop trailers. And I was like, oh, those are cool. And then I started looking into it. And I was like, you know what? This will be perfect because I tow behind the bike. And then anywhere I land, no matter where I land, I have a place to sleep. So I built this miniature teardrop trailer and put it behind my bike. And then, then kind of just like... 
went from there, you know what I mean? And now it's like I had a place to sleep and yeah, it was pretty interesting building that trailer though, uh, and modifying it to work with the bike ride. It was it was quite challenging to be honest. How long did it take? Uh so I was working full time. It took like a summer to build it. Um, you know, off and on working on it, um, changing things like I had to modify the position of the axle to get the right tongue weight. So I had to change that a couple of times. I built the whole trailer from scratch, the frame and everything. And then I also had to add weight to the frame of the front of the motorcycle and over the wheel of the front fender because it would have this like awful like wobble on the highway that was like from the trail that was like awful like counterbalancing like the the trail would sway and then cause the front to shake and it was interesting i'd add like a couple pounds of weight of steel at a time and it would get rid of that shaking and i could go faster and faster on the highway it was pretty interesting the whole build process sounds like it yeah so where where are some of the places you visited um because if you could talk about it, they're obviously good memories. You know, yeah. This is from 2014. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, I went from here, like down through Pennsylvania, down through uh, Virginia, West Virginia, um, where is uh, Kentucky? And then I landed in like Nashville. You know, so the whole trip was. I wanted to stay off the highway. So I did all back roads and uh, I'd only do like 300 miles a day. And uh, so, you know, I wasn't going many miles a day. I was like, it was more like I wanted to see stuff. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So how long were you gone on this trip? Uh, I was gone for seven months. Um, So I would say good three and a half or on the road. And then I, probably spent like four months waiting out the winter in Arizona at like a family friend's house, which was unexpected as well. Um, but you know, it was an opportunity and I took it. So. So what was the route to go from Pennsylvania to finally get to Arizona? Uh, so like I said, went down to Nashville from Nashville. I just kept heading West all the way to like Denver, Colorado. And once I hit Denver, I'm like, I hate heights and like, I didn't want to go directly over the Rockies. So I'm like, you know what? I'm going to go back north and try to avoid the Rockies. So I went north all the way up to like Seattle, Washington. And then when I hit Seattle, I went all the way like back down the coast, but stayed inland sometimes to avoid the, um, what is it called? The, uh, what's the coastline called in California? I forget. I like Pacific. Yeah. The Pacific Pacific, Coast. One Pacific. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, uh, all the way back down to San Diego and then started heading east again. So what was, tell us about some of the favorite places you got to see. Um, You know, like scenery wise, city wise, which, Whatever. which one did, totally different. Um, Honestly, I think some of the beautiful, most beautiful parts of the country, like West Virginia was very beautiful, very nice to ride. Um, I was going through there in like mid-October to late October. So I was really spoiled with the foliage and like the, the turns in West Virginia through those mountains are awesome. Uh, I'd say Montana too. Montana was definitely really awesome to ride, riding like the riverbeds in Montana. It was really cool. Um, cities, 
I don't, Nashville will always be like one of my favorite cities. San Diego is really awesome. And uh, Austin, Texas was really cool. Some little cities like no one ever heard, like Bozeman, Montana. That That's a really cool city. It's like a, that was a really interesting. Uh, I had a really actually interesting thing happen in Bozeman, Montana. Um, they, I don't know. Should we go into stories or no? Sure. Tell us. All right. So I rolled into Bozeman. And I think it was like a Tuesday night, so nothing crazy going on. And this whole trip, I wanted to keep – I kept journals on this trip, and I was writing, trying to write down every single day what was going on, what was happening, what I was seeing. And um, so it was a Tuesday night, and I wanted to get caught up in some of my journal writings. And I was like, oh, this, you know, nothing crazy. I was just going to go to a bar, grab a beer, and just chill out. And uh, – Anyways, the, these these guys at the end of the night, they end up giving me a ride back to my bike and trailer because I didn't want to drink and drive. And I get back to the bike and trailer and I go, oh, my God, I left my journal on this girl's like kitchen uh, kitchen counter. And I don't know who who she is or whatever. So the next day I was supposed to just leave the next day. The next day I spent the whole day like retracing my steps trying to find this journal and i i couldn't find it and it was crazy but i know exactly where i left it on this girl's counter her name was rachel if you know anybody is listening to this in bozeman montana and knows a rachel that has my journal hit me up one of those guys actually six months later i think a year later he he uh i so i came up with this idea to get this journal back I put an ad in the Bozeman paper saying what happened. And this guy I was with one of those guys hit me up, said he knew where the journal was. And he said he knew Rachel, which she was, but I don't know what happened. We lost touch and he never got back to me. So that not the first original journal is still somewhere out there. <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah. So that's a bummer. Yeah. Hopefully someday I get back. I've, I've rewritten most of that first journal, but. You know, the original writings would be way better, you know. Definitely. Yeah. Surprised that Rachel would even want it. Yeah, I know. You know, it's, uh, I don't know. I mean, it's it's funny. So after I lost that journal, I got the next journal I got. I wrote a note in the back, like, if you find this reward, an address you could send it to. And, you know, just me being me, I actually lost that journal. But that another girl returned it to me. She shipped it to me. So I think there's like six journals by the time this trip was done. But, you know, I've 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 written through all the journals and now I'm like uh, I'm writing and trying to put them into the computer. So eventually the idea is to write a book about this whole trip. Did you take a lot of pictures in those days? Oh, yeah, I did. It's all, all the whole trips up on my Instagram, the travel and Larry. And, uh, you know, when I get the book written, I'd like to make it like some copies like a picture book and you could as you read three you could see like a picture that corresponds with what you're reading sounds nice i yeah uh, i'm in the process of uh finishing up a book that we've been working on for a number of years just kind of get tossed to the side all the time and it's time to get it out yeah you know what i you know what i found that i like i figured out is if you uh, cause it's, you know, it's been a while and I'm still not done with the writings in the computer, but I figured out this thing. If, if you can work backwards from a goal and do like a countdown, it makes it easier. So like every day I do a little bit of writing and then I'll like cross out how many more pages I have to put 
like in the computer and it you know it makes it more like gratifying like you're getting closer you know understand check out all the beautiful classic cars around me they're detailed to perfection and i'll bet their insurance policies are just as good we want to thank our sponsor motorcycle safe Lures, a division of schumann legal personal injury lawyers they have over 35 years experience handling all types of accidents we want to be your personal injury lawyer so what advice would you give to those who are thinking about taking a cross-country trip on their motorcycle? Um, people are a lot. I mean, I'm from the Northeast, so we can be a little tough up here, I guess the word could be. But people are a lot more nicer than you would ever expect. Like, people are so willing to help you all the time. Like, I broke down a bunch of times on the bike, and I never needed money, but I always just needed a little, like, help here and there, right? And uh, people are way nicer. But also, if I could do it again, there was this book. I don't know if you ever heard of it. It's called The Gold Book. Have you ever heard of this book? I don't think and so. It's, it's for Goldwing members, but anybody can join it. And in the book is like seven criteria of people in the book, like what people would be willing to do. Like someone might be in there be like, hey, meet up for a coffee, right, would be one. But then, then like tier number seven, it's like, oh, you can stay in my house for a week or something or – you know, I don't know, like I have a garage, you need to work on your bike. It, it's all different calipers of motorcycle riders in this book. And it kind of like all across the country, maybe even the world. And you could reach out to these people like as you're traveling. It, it was, I wish I knew about that book before I left because <laughs> I got it after and I, I couldn't believe how many people are registered in this book. Wow. Yeah. Check it out. The gold book, I believe it's called. So have you thought about taking another cross-country trip? Uh, I don't think I would do a cross-country again. I'd like to do a different country um, and uh, just kind of go on a whim again. Because what I found is no matter where you are, you can always find like good people. And people are generally, I feel like there's more good people than bad people out there. So I feel like this trip could go somewhere else and it'd be more, it'd be cooler. And I want to like do it more on off-road this time, I feel like. If I was to do it again, any particular countries in mind? Uh, I don't know. I like South America. I, I've been to like Central America. I seem like that was pretty cool. I like South America. I feel like South America would be pretty cool to do. Hmm. I I visited several countries that had Harley dealers and stuff, and Greece and Turkey and Israel, and all of them seem to be interesting places to uh different terrains yep you know, different elevations and uh different everything people plants animals right you no know, yeah animals. i hey i just got my, my girlfriend actually is from romania i just got back from romania in june and that's that was pretty cool going there the carpathian mountains they have a lot of nice roads it'd be very nice for motorcycles to ride you know did you see a lot of, of uh, the American bikes there or mostly? Yeah. Yeah. It was a good split between probably like a quarter to a third American and then a lot of, you know, a lot of European and a lot of Japanese. So it was pretty cool. So if uh, anyone wants to reach out to you again, tell us how they get a hold of you. Uh, the best way would probably be Instagram, the travel and Larry. Um, that would probably be the best way to get over me. I mean, or on Facebook, Larry 
D Benedictus the third. It's a picture of me on a, an old Honda Chopper motorcycle. Perfect. Anything else you'd like to share? Uh, no. I mean, there was plenty to the trip. I mean, it's just kind of like what if you wanted to get dive into more or not. You know what I mean? If you uh, get that book done, yep. Let us know. Cool. Bring so the it name of the... talk about it. Oh, I'd like to share this with you because I think it'd be significant. So, um, you you do some motorcycle law stuff, right? Yes. Okay. So, uh, it's kind of so the name of the book is going to be called "The Traveling Larry: Two Miles Too Many," because the craziest thing at the end of the trip when I got home. Then day after I got home, I got hit by a car on the motorcycle two miles up the street from my house. And I, I was lucky. I survived and everything. And um, but yeah. And uh, it's kind of a crazy story about that. If you want to get into it a little bit. Sure. Um, just one. This was a different part in the trip, but it kind of like can bring in this um, motorcycle accident full circle. So I'm on my way home. It's springtime now. And I'm passing through Oklahoma and all of a sudden my bike starts like cutting out backfiring back and forth. And I'm like, Oh my God, what's going on now? So this whole trip, by the way, in that teardrop trailer, I built the whole rear hatch that was filled with tools, just tools in it, nothing else, but tools. Cause my theory was I was on an 89 Harley FXR, right? So it's an old Harley, like things going to break down and it did multiple times. But anyways, in this particular case, Pull over the side of the road. I get my multimeter out, and all of a sudden, I see that my bike's not charging anymore. And then um, I'm sitting there on the side of the road, thinking about getting a tow, what I'm going to do, whatever. This guy in a Jeep rolls up, and his name was Too Tall. And he goes, Y'all set? And I go, Eh, whatever. You know, I told him what's going on. He's like, Well, if you need something, give me a call. So he takes off. I diagnosed the charging system, like I said, and then I was like, I don't know what I'm going to do. I just need a place to like park the bike and work on it. Right. And so I call him up and he set me up nice. He had like a property up the street. He let me park the bike and trailer and I could work on the bike in the driveway. And then, he, you know, wicked nice guy brought me all around everywhere. And the craziest thing about this guy was I was living in, um, this place called Apache Junction, Arizona. It's outside of Phoenix on like a horse ranch prior that spring. And the craziest thing is he actually had a winter house in Apache Junction, but this was the only winter he didn't go down there. And it was so crazy that I like randomly met him like this. Right. Mm -hmm. and, and this guy was super nice. And um, so anyways, get parts, get the bike all back together. And before it broke down, though, I, I thought I heard this tapping noise in the motor as well. And I was like, so I put it all back together and I knew I was going to stop the bike the next day. And I I don't know. I just didn't have a good feeling about the motor. So I, at that night, I laid in my trail before the next day and I, before I would sleep. And I, at this time, you know, I wasn't I was on the fence about God. And I was like, you know, God, if there is a God, if you could just not let my mo my bike blow up and get me home safe. I don't know what I can do for you, but I'll be forever grateful. So the next morning I woke up, started the bike, hear that tapping noise. And then all of a sudden I just looked over the bike one more time and I couldn't believe it. 
there was a choke cable rattling on top of the motor. I took a zip tie and I tied it down and I swear that motor sounded perfect after that. And I looked up and I was like, oh, that was really weird because like, I can't believe I just missed this choke cable rattling, right? Because mm -hmm. I know my bike pretty well. Anyways, fast forward to getting home the day before. I, I really, it was a rough day going from um, um, like, uh, I think Virginia to home. I almost got in like three accidents that day. It was a long day of riding. Wake up the next day, go to get a nice coffee to go see my grandmother. by a uh, a car two miles up the street from my house by somebody I knew broadside me didn't see me and I walked away like didn't walk away I broke my foot and got some serious road rash on my back and my I was lucky I was wearing a full face helmet smashed the window out but the funny thing is I talked to a, a cousin of mine who was you know more religious than I was definitely and I told the story she's like that's the thing she's like you try to make a deal with God but the thing is, he doesn't need your deal. So I think he was like showing you that he could have just asked and he would have got you home safe. But again, the name of the, you know, the, the whole book's going to be the travel and Larry two miles too many. Cause I actually did 15,000 miles on the whole trip. And then two miles up the street, when I get home, I get hit by a car. So yeah. They, I just they that say was. that most motorcycle accidents are close to home. I hundred percent believe it. Unfortunately. So, yeah. Yeah, unfortunately, yep. So yeah. Great. That was a little story for you about that. So well, thank you. I appreciate your sharing yeah. your adventures. Look forward to seeing more. Yeah. And I uh, and let, keep in touch. Let me know when the book's done. Will do. Sounds great. Perfect. Thank you. Take care. Thank you. David thank Vegas Schumann. Signing out. Check out this 1948 Harley Hummer. It's a beaut. We want to thank you for listening to our podcast today. If you liked it, please share it with your friends and family. If you happen to be coming out to the Las Vegas area, send me a text. I'd love to join you for a ride. David Vegas Schumann, signing out.